All right, I have no concept of words per minute. So this could be a long one. This could be a short one. I don't know. It took me six scrolls. I don't know what that means. Wow, six scrolls. All right, <laughs> on my phone. Right. But on my I, phone. <laughs> I usually go by pages for my uh Yeah, my but the, thing. No- the Notes app doesn't have pages, and God knows I'm not responsible. Also, I got a new laptop because my old one crapped out, and then I was using Michael's for probably too long to record this um, podcast, this lovely podcast. And so what is the I podcast? don't have Microsoft. Oh, the podcast is Crime Culture. Shit. Hi. Hey. Hello. Hey, hi, hello. We'll start somewhere along that, that conversation. Yeah, why the fuck not? But um, so I don't have Microsoft Word, and I'm trying to hold off as long as I can not to buy it. Oh my god, I have not had Microsoft Word. Is she unemployed? In like Ten years I haven't had it. Well, so, fun fact. If you ever Google need Drive, it, man. Google Drive is great, but if anybody ever needs it, like for example, I had I'm like in the middle of freelance stuff and like my invoices are in like Excel. And so I'm like, how the fuck do I do this? Um I it, the Microsoft website lets you use the program for free if you have an internet connection any internet connection you can be at starbucks you can be at home you can be wherever but yeah if you need to use microsoft word microsoft excel like something like that what other ones do you use to be quite honest maybe powerpoint if you're feeling it if you're having those parties where you get turned and then you you do the powerpoint presentation on which pokemon is the gayest and that's speaking not from my experience but from the experience of somebody else i know who did a presentation like that all right i don't think Um, i've even looked at a powerpoint in 15 years we got to do this though it's really fun you get like white girl wasted and you give a powerpoint presentation on basically nothing my sister did one too and it was like which which like disney character can like throw their ass back the best or something like that i don't remember what yeah no and it was good i don't know what the criteria for that is but i don't remember i believe i vaguely remember one of either Phineas or Ferb was on there, or maybe it was Dr. Doofenshmirtz. I'm not positive. And oh, I'm really no, like adding myself with, yeah, I'm adding myself with all of these names. Me the platypus. Um, I think that's a good, I think that's a good place to start. <laughs> Is it? Okay. <laughs> so well, here we go. So what are we talking about this week? So we're talking about Angel's Landing, which is a cult and it was voted on by our patreon patrons i believe only one is on the the vote your episode tier right now and that's lucian bum i don't know if i could say your last name so i'm not gonna say it don't say it i fucked we're up good. i fucked up we're good <laughs> <laughs> we only got one of the syllables um but so he is the voter he he's dictating the podcast right now he is in charge so if you want to also dictate the podcast you should get on the patreon yeah it's not very feminist of us that we've got a man controlling this whole thing. So, I Men don't know. Men control everything. I, they really do. They really do. Like, I mean, you, you we're gonna make just it. Think we're gonna make it, it fem. We're gonna make it. We'll make it fem. But yeah, here we go. Speaking of men controlling things, we're gonna talk about oh. Angel's Landing. <laughs> That's like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of all cults. Yeah, is a a, a white man says. I do want this. everyone to do what I say. Yep. And they come up oh, with some real weird ways to get people to go along with it. Yeah. Um, but so I want to start off the majority of this information I got from Tim Potter's coverage of this case for the Wichita Eagle. 
Um, he was incredibly thorough and I was just so impressed and also fucking thankful because there wasn't too much info from credible sources on this case okay. um, that I could find besides like his articles. And then like there was maybe like an AP article and then like a couple more things. Um, so I just wanted to give give it a shout out. I know normally All we're right. like, oh, we've got our we've got our resources if you want to see them. I he he was the primary resource in this so shout out to tim um and also i right before we started with this not right before obviously because i was talking to you but um i learned from a friend and an advocate elizabeth peace um she runs the organization operation innocence which prevents and protects children from sexual abuse that april Mm -hmm. is actually child sexual abuse prevention month in addition to it being sexual assault awareness month um, okay. So not to throw in too much of a of a spoiler here, but this episode, it turns out, ended up being somewhat fitting for this month. Um, and I don't I don't know, maybe maybe we can like link to to Elizabeth's page daily. Definitely. I don't know. I'll, I don't know. I will remind myself to put it in the show notes. Yeah, of the episode something. So whatever like player you're listening to this on, I'll have a link to yeah. the. Uh, the website on there. Haley knows what she's doing. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I know that you can donate to help her cause. Um, she publishes informational coloring books that teach kids about consent and how to speak to a trusted adult if they're being sexually abused or uh, abused in any way, honestly. Um, That's an interesting way to, to bring that topic up to kids. Yeah. It's called Sergeant Bark. And if I remember correctly, I believe her husband is actually the illustrator. Like really? it's a whole it's a whole family thing love it um and her one of her big causes is to protect because children in the military she's a military spouse she was in the military and her one of her big causes because children of members of the military are some of the most at risk because of the absence of a parent oh okay all of that craziness that goes along with being in a military family where you're moving around a lot and all of that stuff so they're very susceptible to that um but she she so you can donate for that you can donate um she posts about other causes that also work to prevent child sexual abuse um she links to other organizations that help um causes that that help them fight it like the stewards of children child sexual abuse training classes um so i i I don't know maybe maybe we'll link it if we remember i'm hoping we do um but if you want to learn more if you want to donate if you want to do whatever and we did forget like just shoot us a message and we can send you the link because i have it i it's a cool it's a really great cause but i also was like wow that is hmm that is relevant rough yeah it's also a rough topic it is a rough topic um and i give her all the credit that she's willing to publicly like go out and do that work yeah um on top of her day job she doesn't it's not like she even does this like full time she doesn't she doesn't fuck around um she really doesn't but (laughs) so getting right into it uh lou castro he's this guy it's to paint a picture he had a very lavish lifestyle with his group of followers. Um, they had big parties. They spent a lot of money. They had a lot of expensive shit. Um, they called themselves a family. And they that, lived... That's, yep. That's the term that a lot of 
Cults yep. use. Not even just cults. Toxic work environments also. If you ever are applying for <laughs> a job true. where they go, we're a family here. Run. <laughs> yeah, look look into the look into their eyes. <laughs> yes, they're dead inside. See if it's a see if it's a broken person. Yes. Um but yeah, so they lived on a 20-acre compound which featured two houses and a pool in the 9500 block of North Oliver near the town of Ketchy, Kansas, which is about 10 miles or for our non-American friends, 16 kilometers north of Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Um and they called the compound Angel's Landing. Mhm. So Things would have been fine. Well, no, things were not fine. Things were very much not fine, as we'll get into. Let me let me yeah, change we wouldn't be covering that. Let me it if things were great. Let me rephrase. He he probably would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those meddling kids. And by meddling kids, I mean Castro just could not seem to be able to resist showing off his fucking lifestyle. He couldn't stop meddling with kids. He couldn't stop meddling with kids, actually, yes. But no, oh, he could no. not stop showing off and it would have been fine if everybody was like, this guy doesn't have a job. Uh-huh. How does he have all of this going on? Oodles and oodles of cash. Oodles and oodles of cash. Um, oodles and oodles of traveling around with an entourage in fancy SUVs with vanity plates. Um, what, what years is this? Sorry, I think I missed that in the very beginning. So we're in, we're in the early 2000s. We're in like 2002, okay. 2003. All right. Um, it's, I, I wasn't able to get an exact date for a lot of this stuff, mostly okay. because it was, it's, it's spoiler alert, one dude for the majority of this working on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and also again, <laughs> thanks Tim, limited coverage other than him. Um, but so yeah, he, he would travel with like this entourage. He would use expensive SUVs with like vanity plates and vanity plates, as you know, if, for those who don't know, you got to pay like extra for that. I think it's like you've got to pay a monthly fee to use a vanity really? plate. I think I'm not positive. Michael knows more than I think me. In, I think in some places it has to be cheaper because I remember when I was visiting um, my sister out in Montana and like a couple of other places, the place is like lousy with vanity plates. Like every other person has a vanity plate. Right, so yeah, I think it, it has be to be cheaper in some diff- in like some states. Yeah. Because I don't, I only know of like a handful of people in my area that have had them or that i've seen okay i i mean i've seen like a fuck ton of them in connecticut not so much in california i've seen some and they're always very fun they're always a hoot but yeah i i'm girl i don't know but they all had vanity plates um and they were all relevant to the family or the cults or whatever yeah um, oh, no. But he also was like always really quick to show off how much money he had, um, all of his expensive cars, his planes, planes, I say plural with an S, mm-hmm. multiple planes. Just um, like a white man. Yep. Horses, also just like a white man. He's actually not a white man, so we shouldn't say that. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and so Whoa. he's, 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 um. It's the biggest twist I've heard yet. So. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anything. All right, he's not white and he's not black. Okay. All right, all stop. Right. I'm, stop I'm interrogating me. Else. Stop interrogating me. Um, all of you. So in April 2003, somebody finally takes notice that this dude again has so much fucking stuff, so much fucking money, lives on a compound with other people that he bankrolls with a pool and houses. Um, and that somebody was Sedgwick County Sheriff's Detective Ron Goodwin, who mm-hmm. specialized at the time in drug investigations and 
ultimately would end up spending nine years investigating Castro. Dang. Yeah. On and off for some of it, but like most, like, like you'll see. So Goodwin was really suspicious that the family had so many vehicles and that each vehicle cost between 40 to 50 mil, uh, million, fuck, $50,000 each, which amounted to about one point, uh, or no, about $1 million in total. Jeez. Yeah. $1 million worth of, yes, yes. Um, Like there was not a single shitty car among the bunch. Like mm-hmm. all of them were new. All of them were nice. So, like, Goodwin felt that investigator, he or he felt that what investigators call, quote, unexplained wealth, end quote, he felt that was indicative of criminal activity. He just didn't really know what, but he worked in drugs and was like, it's often drugs, mm-hmm. um, like in his little head. Um, did I mention that they also had ATVs? They had ATVs. Yeah, they had horses, they had planes, yeah. they had cars. I'm seeing my notes here and I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, they had just, brand new SUVs, trucks, and even fucking ATVs, I wrote. Just um, everything. And then in big capital letters next to that, I have WTF next to ATV. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they got to get around the compound. It's 20, it's, what is it, 20,000 acres, 20 acres? I think it's only 20 acres. I think I'm, I'm losing it. Um, it's Whatever, 20, you but need that's ATVs. Fine. You need Who's ATVs. Walking? Uh, not me well yes i am but if i was rich enough to afford an atv i wouldn't be that's for sure i'd atv around my fucking apartment there we go get the cats their own atvs it'll be a party so in june 2003 one of the family members a 26 year old wife and mother of two from south texas named patricia hughes died in what appeared to be an accidental drowning in the compounds pool Ooh. yeah And this made Goodwin even more suspicious. So in addition to looking into the backgrounds of Castro and the other residents of the compound, he also collected the autopsy and police report records to dig deeper into Hughes's death. Mm -hmm. So Goodwin later told Oxygen, quote, Castro was now known for two things, money no one could explain and the death of Patricia Hughes, end quote. Mm -hmm. So Goodwin learned that when Hughes's body was taken back to Texas for the burial, many of the family left the compound and went to attend the, the funeral. But Castro stayed behind. All right. And strangely, he ordered the family members not to tell anybody, whether they were a stranger, whether they knew the person, whatever, not to tell them that he was alive and well living in Kansas. Just don't bring him up. Weird. Okay. Yes. And if they do bring him up, I don't know him. He's dead. I don't know him. Um, And also weird, not too weird for them. They were just like, oh, yes, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, Because Godwin then learned in his research that Castro inexplicably had all of the commune's residents under his full control. He couldn't figure out why, but it was at a point that Castro could even dictate how much money the family members could withdraw from like the ATM at a catchy convenience store when they were on a night out. Yeah. Like it was, it was very, he controlled every aspect. Yeah. Cult. Yeah. Cult. Um, however, Castro sure did like drawing attention to himself, as I said before, uh-huh. um, even though he was so secretive about his past and his personal life, you know, like in general, but also saying when you go to Texas, I'm not here. Um, 
three months after Hughes died, the Ketchy police chief announced during a city council meeting that Castro had donated $19,000 to help the department buy an additional patrol car. Hmm. Um, Castro told the council that all he asked for in return was that the department put a sticker on the car in Hughes's memory. Okay. Very, oh, I'm so, I'm, look at me. I'm such a good man. I don't believe in a cab and just, just a shitty dude. It took some digging and it took a while, but Goodwin soon started to find some cracks in Castro's story as you do, as one does. I, th- I thought you were going to say he found some crack. <laughs> no, no crack is found in this story. Unfortunately, if you find okay. crack, please send it my way. Please don't. Um, but, for example, Castro had plenty of explanations as to where he got his money, um, but none of them remotely matched, and none of them added up, despite the fact that he was like, oh, this is why. Um, one day, the story was that he sold cattle to the U.S. government, and that's where he got his money. Another day, okay. it was that he came from a wealthy family who worked in the oil industry. And still another day, he said that the money stemmed from an inverted airplane tank that he invented. And hmm. the stories went on and on and on, and none of them were connected. Yeah, why don't you, like, if you're going to be throwing all your money around, why don't you make up, like, a plausible story so that they can stop looking into it? Seriously. But no, 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 no. Goodwin also discovered that Castro had a South Dakota driver's license. Again, remember, we're in Kansas. And came across an article in a Rapid City, South Dakota newspaper that reported a crash, a plane crash, in which Castro's wife and child died. Oof, that's horrible. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, no. Furthermore, the obituary of a woman named Mona Griffith, who also died along with her young daughter and boyfriend in the crash, the same plane crash, listed Castro as her brother. So that's five people connected to castro his wife his child his sister his we'll call it for for whatever's sake brother-in-law and niece okay but questions of castro's identity continued to be up in the air as goodwin struggled to nail down exactly who this guy was all he could see was oh like she's his sister okay this is weird this is spooky later on as goodwin was driving down the street while off duty He actually passed by Castro and a female family member, and they were in a white truck with, again, these vanity plates, I tell ya. Vanity plate said, Angel. Great. (laughs) Um, And on the rear window, there was lettering that read, in memory of Patricia Hughes. Okay. So I guess they bought her, like, a car in her memory, in addition to buying a cop car? I I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. Sure. Maybe. Why? So Goodwin followed them to a restaurant and watched them from another table. And after they left, Goodwin went to the manager and explained that he was a detective. He was investigating Castro and Angel's Landing and got permission to take the glasses and the silverware that Castro used as evidence so that he could get a fingerprint and figure out who this guy was. However, no identifiable fingerprint could be pinpointed. I don't know if he wiped down the glass. He probably wiped down the glass. Um, this dude is sneaky. So we'll get into that. But yeah. I don't know. Because like my, I, I think I mentioned it before. My grandma's had very, very um, uh, like 
the ridges in her fingers were very like um not pronounced mm -hmm. so if she had to be fingerprinted for anything it wouldn't really like show up i was like damn grandma go rob a bank yeah right <laughs> <laughs> she watched that snl sketch about yolo and just went here we go grandma's yeah. gonna do it but um, if this is like like obviously this happened when she was like older mm -hmm. like in her 80s yeah but if this, this guy's in his like 40s. yeah this, yeah so yeah. you should have and fingerprints. also he's yeah he's got fingerprints he's mm -hmm. just covering his tracks um Maybe he knew someone was watching him basically no honey basically mm -hmm. um so with no other leads, the case began to go cold. And for the following two years, Goodwin would find himself. He was just he was fucking obsessed. I want to I want to just start with that. Like yeah, because he, would, he knows something's wrong. He knows yeah. something's weird, but he, and can't, he can't figure it, it out. Yeah. Um, so he's he would find himself just like driving by the compound or he would be up at night, just lying awake at night trying to think of a way to figure out who Castro was. Like, yeah. what is this dude's identity? Meanwhile, the compound is doing fucking great. They are growing. They have a third house that's built. They even put in an expansive set of shops over by the pool. Like, they are well, turning damn. into their own... Yeah, they're turning into their own little fucking village. And Goodwin is still just continuing to be frustrated that he can't figure out Castro's identity and also where the fuck all this money is coming from, that they can build another house and shops. Yeah. And pay the mortgage on this, like, compound. Uh-huh. So then he meets Clint Snyder, who's okay. a former Wichita police detective who went on to become a criminal investigator with the Sedgwick County District Attorney's Office. Mm. And... The U.S. Attorney's Office, alongside the Wichita Police Department, launched a cold case investigation into a Wichita gang that called themselves the Crips. I don't know if there's any relation. Okay. Um, to, you know, the Crips. Um, and Goodwin was among the detectives from that area that were asked to join the task force. So Goodwin, Snyder, and some other Wichita police detectives were there together on that task force, and that's where they met. And this whole thing went on for fucking years. Um, and during this time, Goodwin w basically like told these stories about Castro to Snyder, and Ca Snyder was just fucking intrigued, but uh -huh. was like, we don't have time to focus on this. Like, I want to know more about this, but we've got to focus on the Crips. Yeah. So, okay. So they couldn't really do much dig much digging. But meanwhile, in late 2006, Go Goodwin gets wind of a child custody case involving Hughes's daughter. And that's how he learns that Hughes's husband, Brian, was killed earlier that year in March while he was in South Dakota. Okay. So basically, he was at an auto body shop working on a car when it suddenly just fell on him in a freak <gasps> accident and killed him oh god yeah and so then sarah mcgrath who is one of the cult's survivors we'll get into her but wait um, wait the husband didn't was he an ex-husband he didn't live on the commune on the in like the the cult with them um i'm not like sure they were separated no, they, he was definitely her husband because as, I'll, huh. as I'm about to say, so so a quick bit of background on Sarah as far as like who she is. So Sarah was brought into Castro's family by her mom. She was a real estate agent who helped Castro kind of like when he moved to Wichita, she helped mm -hmm. him find the compound and sold him 
like the the spot where he could like have this compound yes um but so more on her later but she so brian had been really depressed after the death of his wife patricia and he was for whatever reason talking to castor more often after his wife died Mm -hmm. and so mcgrath told oxygen quote castro was telling him one day you'll get your chance to go to the other side end quote Mm-hmm. so um and then by at this point with the death of brian there have been now three fatal accidents connected to castro over the course of five years um the plane crash in south dakota that killed five people and yeah. then patricia hughes's drowning in kansas and then brian hughes's um freak accident in south dakota yeah an accident is in heavy quotations yeah because <laughs> yes. now now it's starting to seem like mm, yeah, I, I don't know about this. How many accidents could there possibly be? You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> You're going to tell me. I was about to say, I guess I'll be the one telling you. Um, so this brought Goodwin to two questions. Who really was Lou Castro? And why were all the people around him dying? Valid questions. Yeah. So Goodwin later told Oxygen, quote, Castro is either very lucky or unlucky, excuse me, with close friends dying, or he's involved in some way in making it happen, end quote. Yeah. Which I think is a logical, yeah, okay. And that's enough to, like, spark somebody's interest to look into. Yes, exactly. I mean, there is there is the sliver of a chance it could be nothing, and he is just very unlucky, and people around him are just dying, and there's a lot of these crazy accidents happening. I but guess. more or less, it seems like th- this is all too much at one time and too convenient. It, it's too big a coincidence. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And we haven't even gotten into. So it's funny that you say um, that he, that like all of these things, like, you know what I mean? Um, everybody else doesn't know what I mean. I, Haley and I have a mind link. We're fine. So basically what I'm trying to say is common denominator goodwin is of course intrigued he looks into this he finds a common denominator and that is that every single person who died had a large life insurance policy and every single life insurance policy went to castro and angels landing ding 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 it's the life insurance policy look at that oh yes and and just so that we can like know what we're talking about here so for example when i worked for the I don't remember if I said what what organization, so I won't say. But for the military, um, my life insurance policy was fifty thousand dollars. Uh huh. Okay. So for Hughes's death, for Patricia Hughes's death alone, Castro collected one point two four million dollars. That alone. seems like a huge life insurance policy for someone that is not in a field where they're. In great peril very often you know i think that's so funny because i was thinking the exact same thing what are mm-hmm. the odds what are the chances and so um, many people just hard. love this man so much to just leave him their their life insurance wow yeah i don't i don't fucking i don't understand that bit at all but that's we'll get into that i mean if you've um, ever watched anything on lifetime or read like any thriller it's always 
for the life insurance policy. Never, it either, really is. Either never get a life insurance policy or never fucking tell anyone that you have one. The Just have it be it. like a happy surprise at the end of your tragic life. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's that's the whole Don't thing. Don't tell anyone you have life insurance. <laughs> Please. Um, so, yeah. So, obviously, he knew that she had life insurance. But anyway, so yeah. about every two and a half years, Goodwin later told Oxygen that he noticed the family's account balances would get low. And then conveniently, somebody would die. Whoa. What are the chances? Wow. Okay. So, sensing he was on to something, I don't know where he got <laughs> yeah, that idea. Right? <laughs> um, Goodwin asked the U.S. Attorney's Office to open a case so that they could look into the family's finances. All right. Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, damn it. Goodwin also got advice from another sheriff's detective. He was just like, hey, like, I can't seem to nail this guy. I need to find out who he is. I am turning up nothing help and so this this sheriff's detective gave him some tips on how to trick castro into giving his fingerprint um because this dude goodwin has done stakeouts watching this guy his every this guy's a slippery little fish he's he's gone through his trash and could not find anything like he took his trash to like the the criminal lab tech people they laid it all out for him nobody touched a damn thing they couldn't find a fingerprint you can you can hate me for this, but I'm going to uh, go with the assertion. Did he burn off his fingers? His no. fingerprints? God no, damn. he did not watch the YOLO video. <laughs> um, from, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google YOLO SNL and it should come up. It's like Lonely Island and Adam Levine. And the one line is like, so burn the prints off your thumbs. Yes. <laughs> and it's just their hands on the stovetop. Um, they've got their little, their little tinfoil hats. No, this is not that. So on November two, uh, November tenth, two thousand eight, Goodwin took this advice, and he and another detective went to Angel's Landing um, under the premise of investigating some home invest invasions in the area and some burglaries and whatnot, some break-ins. Mm-hmm. Um, how many other synonyms can I come up with for burglary? Sure, just keep going. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they went to Castro and they were like, hey, like, have you, do you recognize any of these suspects? Have you seen them before? Spoiler alert, the suspects weren't real. Whoa. I know. Police work, I tell ya. Goddamn. Um, so they then handed him some glossy photographs for him to flip through because if you've got a glossy photo, I don't yeah. know. Yep. Well, you've touched it. I was going to say you're a photographer. Your fingerprint is like on there and it's not, it's never coming off. Like uh-huh. that's it. That's the end of it. So. And it's just the cast of the Big Bang Theory. It's like, have you seen any of these shady subjects? <laughs> so, yeah. They, um, they, they hand him these and I just, I don't know how he figured it out. He figured out what they were doing. Uh-huh. This dude was slippery. Yeah. So, Instead of touching the photos with his fingertips, Castro would use his fingernails to move them around on the table, and he would hold the edges of the photos with his palms when he was holding them up. Hmm. Did not lay a fucking finger on these photos. Yeah. 
So then Goodwin is just like last resort. And he's like, I need your name and your ID to follow up on this later if I need to or whatever. And he goes, I, my name is Lou Castro. I don't have an ID, but I have a social security number. You can have it. So he takes on the social security number Uh and he already knew Goodwin already knew, but yeah, he ran the, the social security number after their encounter and it was a fake. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, of course he knew that already, but like, what are you going to do? So things are not going well. (laughs) No, doesn't sound like it. But then things are also not going well for the, for the family because in 2008, then another Angel's Landing family member died in what appeared to be a freak car accident in Butler <sighs> County, Kansas. All of these accidents. And this family member was Sarah McGrath's mother. Oh, Yeah. And with her death came another huge life insurance payout. No, you don't say. I know. I'm shocked. Um... The twists and turns in this case, I tell you. I, I shouldn't say that. There will be. But. And uh, the the daughter is still alive, right? Like uh, Patricia's Sarah? daughter? Yeah. Oh, oh, Patricia's, Patricia's daughter. daughter. Yeah. Um, I think so. I, I mean, like, I didn't what? really find much on her. A terrible, what a terrible loss for that kid. Oh, Jesus. I know. Losing both parents in like three years. And your grandmother. Three years. No, 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 no. Oh, I thought you no. said uh, her mother uh, was the one that died so, too. So Sarah... So Sarah is not related to Patricia Hughes and Brian Hughes. Oh, okay. Sarah, okay. Sarah's mother was the real estate agent that sold him the compound. Got it. Patricia okay. and Brian, they go way back. Okay. They they go way further back. Um. So, I'm I'm all flustered. Um. So when the case against the Crips again, I don't know if there's a relation. I shockingly. I don't follow that many gangs. Who would have thunk it? Wow. Not I. I saw a thing yesterday that referred to white people as clear, and I think that about I think that about sums it up. Sure. I am I am but a clear woman. Um so they conclude the case in late two thousand nine and Goodwin and Snyder find that they're both assigned to the US Attorney's Office. Um they're specializing together in financial investigations, including money laundering. Hmm. funny how that works out just what are the chances yeah so together goodwin and snyder took a closer look at the deaths of various members of castro's family which i fucking hate to call it but that's what it is i guess Mm -hmm. i guess um and they find some interesting things the millions of dollars of life insurance money. The fact that it's going to Castro and other surviving members. And then, just when they're like, we think we might have something. Castro, who had been in Wichita at that point for about eight years, up in January 2010, moved off the commune, was just like, we're leaving, we're out. And... He and five other people moved to a large house in Columbia, Georgia, and he started going by Joe. Joe Castro. All right. I think I just saw Joe. So not his name. So decidedly not his name. Um, So he and Snyder, Goodwin and Snyder, began working in tandem 
and he just goodwin was like we need more help so he calls a former colleague fbi supervisory special agent john sullivan who's based in kansas um and he's like can you help me out with the case as well and goodwin and sullivan knew each other from working on drug cases together in the late 90s but snyder and sullivan also knew each other i will give you one guess as to how they knew each other one guess i I don't have a guess i will give you two guesses two guesses (laughs) (laughs) tell me what it is (laughs) they both worked on a on a somewhat high profile case the search for dennis raider the btk killer for those who don't know because i mean why would we know oh wait he was in kansas Um, right was he uh, you're talking to the wrong person he was in one of those middle states they're all middle states they're all middle states to me you're uh, once you get past like ohio I know nothing until we get to like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Nevada, I would say Ohio's Utah. A middle state too. I don't know. <sighs> I we're, guess we're technically both it was bitches, in such close. So. It, it's true. <laughs> um, but it's, they're all in such close proximity that like I I don't I don't know. I have no idea. You're you're asking the wrong girl. Um, but yeah, so they work. They all know each other basically. And even the FBI could not dig up any info on Castro. Like, they just couldn't. This guy is so slippery and (laughs) very different from Dennis Rader, who was a fucking stupid moron. I was about to say, like, it's, I, I don't understand if this dude and Dennis Rader had worked together, we'd be looking at another Zodiac killer. yeah (laughs) like we really would it's so fucked but like i just i I, my dude i don't know i don't know but um yeah so it it, the whole thing is really just wild and sullivan he couldn't find a photo he couldn't find any physical description of like any like you know like people on record criminals what have you blah 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 he could not find any of that that would match Castro. Couldn't find anybody obviously named Castro. What's his name? Goodwin already tried all of that, obviously. Uh-huh. But there was just no, no leads were coming up. It was just absolutely mind boggling. So then Goodwin is still doing his thing with the stakeouts and like just trying to find a way to like nail this guy. When one day, Sullivan calls Goodwin and asks him if he is near a fax machine. Which okay. like TBT. Yeah, right. And also this is like the mid like like early two thousand ten. This is like twenty this yeah, this is like the twenty tens now, early twenty tens. Um and he then faxes him an email that was sent to his local FBI branch by Sarah McGrath's boyfriend. Now husband. Last name McGrath. All right. And he wanted to talk about the commune because he thought the whole fucking thing stank, including Castro. And was like, listen, I met my girlfriend right after her mother died in a freak accident. And other people have died in freak accidents. Yeah. And this dude is a -a whack-a-mole. 
and we need to do something about this. And I just want to talk somebody about this. So meanwhile, they get this email and they're like, we're going to we're going to chat with you. We're going to chat with both of you. And the FBI went to stake out Castro's house in Tennessee. And it's at this point that the investigators learned that a new life insurance policy had been taken out on a young girl who was said to be Castro's daughter. Mm, It's like a hit. It is like a hit. And so then obviously they're like, well, we need to act fast. And so after the FBI obtained security camera footage of Castro using his new ID to open up a bank account in Tennessee under the name Joe, whatever the fuck. Goodwin, Snyder, and Sullivan traveled to Tennessee to help execute a search warrant at Castro's home. Mm. So on April 21st, 2010, at 8.10 a.m., Las uh, they showed up at the house to find Castro at the door holding his cowboy boots as if he was like, I don't want to say fleeing the scene, but he clearly did not plan on staying. Uh Uh-huh. So he was arrested and charged with aggravated identity theft and fraudulent use of a social security card number. And Goodwin personally handcuffed Castro. That must have felt so good. Can you imagine like the I I just the only thing I can think of it's what is that movie? Catch me if you can. Yes. When Tom Hanks finally catches I know catches him if he can. Um but no, it, it's just that's what it makes me think of. That's really, truly what it makes me think of. Um, so a search of the house was conducted. And meanwhile, investigators were interviewing just basically anybody they could. And it ended up being 85 witnesses. Jeez. This included a woman who was a teenager when Castro allegedly assaulted her. Um, however, most of Castro's followers remained silent to protect him. Some remained silent out of fear. But... Yeah, they could really the the key people in this case would be three women, basically, because like nobody wanted to talk. Um, And then more and more people would come out of the woodwork later. But even even with this lack of cooperation, they found more information on Castro's practices, including why he had such a hold over these people. Yeah. And basically, he would pretend to have multiple personalities, not multiple personality disorder. We'll get into it. But multiple personalities named Daniel, Arthur, and Amber. It's always a fucking Amber. And they were supposed to be good and bad angels that were like Uh kind of like possessing his body. And he would use this to control his followers. And they, they basically he was just like, I'm an angel and these angels live in me. And this is the truth, the way and the life. Whoop. Sorry, Catholic. Um, Sometimes it just slips out, you know, sometimes just the, the whole the whole Catholic upbringing, it just kind of pops out. But that sounds like a fucking piece of work. Oh, he was because they also learned that before they moved to Wichita, the cult had lived in South Texas, where Patricia was from. Remember that? Yeah. And North and South Dakota. Hmm. What is the connection to South Dakota again? I don't remember. Uh, plane crash. And he lived there. And his ID was there. And. <laughs> Brian died there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. That you got there. We got there. And Missouri. Okay. So they've lived in four other states thus far. Meanwhile, Castro was fingerprinted after arriving at the police station. Finally. There was no match in the federal database. Because he never fucking used his fingers. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's not how, you know, that's not how that works, right? 
Wait, <laughs> you're not finger like he would be fingerprinted if he was like convicted of any other crimes, right? You can be fingerprinted for other things. You know that, right? You know what you're you- fingerprinted as a baby, right? They like they don't keep like a copy of your like baby fingerprints. They get no, your foot but and I'm everything. Saying, you know that they fingerprint you like all the time, right? I got fingerprinted when I fucking substitute taught. I have never been fingerprinted. Really? Oh. My like my I think my parents even had to do it when they adopted my sister. I'm well, almost yeah, positive they, they had to sure they weren't going to well, sacrifice her. I know, I know. <laughs> Believe me, no, if they're sacrificing anybody, it's me. But uh, yeah, either I would way, say, I would say probably. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, yeah, I would too. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah. October's it's, coming it's, up, guys. We fuck Mary Kill. I die every time. It does not matter who I'm up against. <laughs> we got we got one hell of an October episode where we sacrifice we really Caitlin. <laughs> it's gonna be on the Twitch. And we exercise. We're one gonna of the live cats. stream it. But um, but meanwhile, in addition to the fingerprints not showing up, Castro was kind of just like, "You'll never get me alive," and it's like he won't reveal his identity while he's he in just, handcuffs. <laughs> while he's in handcuffs, yes. So the following month, the detectives were able to get a hold of Hughes's mother, Patricia Hughes's mother, in Beeville, Texas. And she explained that her daughter had once dated a man before she married Brian named Daniel Perez, who was just a bad egg, don't you know? I know that's not Texas, that's not but Texas. this is how I picture that's it. This is how I picture it. This is how I picture it. <laughs> um, but he got himself and her daughter into a ton of trouble. And she just didn't like him. And he was a bad dude. Just terrible guy. There was only one problem. Yeah. Perez was dead. Yeah. So what what do we do now? Perez is dead. So it can't be Perez. However, rather than chalk it up to a dead lead, uh, Goodwin followed a hunch and looked up the Beeville jail records for Daniel Perez. Love a hunch. We love a hunch, especially when that hunch brings up a mugshot that was a dead ringer for Castro and fingerprints from the jail, which were a match for Castro's fingerprints. We've got an ID, folks. Uh It only took us 45 minutes um so three days later goodwin and snyder drove i can only imagine like bats out of hell to beville and they collected copies of police reports on perez which included a 1996 to 1997 case that involved sex crimes against two young girls they were 11 and 14 yep and according to authorities perez had run off they were in the process of like you know prosecuting him and he disappeared Mm -hmm. and then reports came through that he was dead so the state dismissed the cases against him you're not gonna follow up on that shit Eh, autumn you can speak on this texas Mm? Eh? i shouldn't say that my cousin is apparently now a cop in texas so cousin by marriage it's a great place but like i mean austin is beautiful yeah and every other state has problems with hanging on to but let's not forget bernie tide yeah (laughs) this is not texas no pun intended it's not their first rodeo well maybe a little intended (laughs) um so with insider information from current and former cult members including the mcgraths 
um, and the help of Snyder and Sullivan, blah, 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 blah. But Goodwin was able to piece together Castro's identity. So David Perez was a fugitive who had worked in Texas prisons and in aviation, which included maintaining planes for the U.S. Navy. Those who didn't think he was dead or who knew he wasn't dead, they believed he had magical powers because he could, you know, he had these angels living in him, but he would also speak and tell stories as though he were the authority on the supernatural. Right. And yeah, so they all, of course, believed him. Mm -hmm. Um, He had convinced his followers that he was an angel who was hundreds of years old. And skip for like two seconds if you need to. Um, He needed to have sex with children or he would die. He was a Catholic angel. I can say this. I was raised Catholic. I just don't know. I don't know who would fucking believe that, but also cults, cult leaders know just how to like. And you know what? Worm it, their it way in there. Like, uh, I'm gonna be covering a cult in the near future. Oh no, it's not Angels Landing, is it? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> the cult doesn't start by saying, "Oh, hey, I'm an angel and need to no. rape people." Uh, no. It it starts as something that's like. Innocuous. pretty reasonable and you just start going and down favor. and down and down it's the thing of yes. like it's the thing of like the frog jumps in the water and it's slowly heated up and he doesn't realize he's yes. being boiled yes it's, it's that that's what yes. the cult is like in Jonestown, and then you're in so deep that your life and your family and everything become threatened so you're like well then i have to do exactly this. but it's like jonestown like you don't just like day one drink the flavor aid like, yes exactly it, it's, it's a slow burn yeah pretty much so yeah it sounds like this guy's fucking out of his goddamn mind but off him gourd yeah but i mean sadly these things happen a lot and this is this is a relatively recent one lots of the other cults that i had been looking at i mean besides like the ones that are active today scientology and all that stuff um uh lots of them were in like the 60s 70s where people were a lot more transient and uh had their minds opened yeah with various different substances and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. i also want you to know that that was the biggest hiccup i've ever had that i just had right now and i tried to i tried to shove it down and it did not work and it just was like you're gonna hiccup now it's too much topo chico it's too much topo chico um but (laughs) but yeah no it's just these people are it's through no fault of their own. These cult leaders know how to just like sink their hooks in and exactly. what they need to say and what they need to do. To, I mean, no offense, but like, not not that I mean no offense, but look at QAnon. Yeah. They're, they're, whoever Q is, I don't fucking know if he's the fucking big mouth hormone monster that walked all through the Capitol. Uh, whoever it is, most genius thing that he came up with was you can't trust the media you can't trust anything that they said that they are paid off to lie to you and the news has not been real for years and and the people that are coming out and saying that like i did believe in QAnon, and then like xyz happened and i don't anymore like those people are so strong to come out and actually say yeah i yeah i believe this and yeah it seems crazy but like 
this is something that happened to me and <laughs> yeah. and now I'm I'm back on the the Here side I of am. living. <laughs> but like yeah, for somebody to admit to that because that's another thing with a lot of these cults is like once it gets to the crazy stuff, um people are either afraid for their safety to leave or yep. honestly embarrassed. Yeah. To admit yeah, or that, like, uncomfortable or look at Scientology, the payout in yeah, order to exactly. leave. I, I believe it was um, alleged John Travolta left. Recently, Did he leave? Very, very recently. Hasn't been made public yet recently because Kelly Preston, his his late yeah. wife, is deceased. Yeah. And so he was just like, I've got nothing left to be here anymore. And yeah. so he apparently had to pay out big time. Whereas, for example, Brandy Norwood from that gorgeous Rogers and Hammerstein's 1997 Cinderella, not that I know exactly everything about it. She was in Scientology and she had to pay her way out. And it was like, it wasn't nothing, obviously, but it was nothing compared to the millions that some of these members have to pay to get out. Yeah. And especially when, when you become their, like figureheads for the when you become a figurehead yeah. but even even the people who aren't figureheads that have to pay their way out that's how they get you to stay yeah like no offense Quick. to danny master well all the offense to danny masterson but he's in the church of scientology yeah do you think that dude has a scent to his fucking name anymore all he's got is hide and like two seasons of the ranch with ashton kutcher he even if he wanted to leave he couldn't afford to get out I would say quick plug for another <laughs> podcast. Uh, someplace underneath, it is uh, their first three episodes were about um, Shelly Miskovich. It's a podcast uh, about missing women. Miscovich. And uh, they did three episodes about Shelly Miskovich and Scientology. And hearing some of those details of like what happens in Scientology and how you can get like sucked in yeah. is insanity highly recommend listening to that and also leah remini's stuff yeah it's no it's just, just it's, so it's insanity to my mind that this is how they work this is how yeah. they operate it's just and, that, it, it, and it does it boggles the mind but though i will say i will say it doesn't boggle the mind too much because when, for those who have taken the psychopath test um when i took it one of the questions was i appreciate a good scam and i genuinely struggled because i was like well like I don't, I would never do this and I don't subscribe to it, but you got to admit like David Miscavige and whoever started QAnon, I was like, they're fucking smart to come up with this shit. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying well, it's they moral. Didn't I'm not come saying up, it's they right. They didn't come up with Scientology. It was L. Ron Hubbard. No, I, like. no I mean to keep people in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. stuff, that, that scam yes. is, that's fucking, that's... I mean, that blows my mind. You have to be a fucking sociopath or a psychopath, depending on what they take in the test and what they score. Genius. Yeah. Like, there's no... It it blows my mind. Yeah. It's How could somebody genius. think of that? I can't even think of what to have for breakfast in the morning, which means I usually forget until 5 p.m. like I've done today. It's 8.30 and I, I had some mango strips. <laughs> hey, you can have waffles for dinner. You're an adult. No, no I'm getting Chinese food for dinner, as you just heard, because I got a call Perfect. from the Chinese restaurant that we've cut out. Um, they, I love, I love them. They're so great. But we, anyway, we've, we, I was going to say we have. I don't even. I was going to say rampooed. I don't know what that what? was supposed to be. I think I'm. I think I'm Rambled? underfed. Rampaged. What? <laughs> Finish the Either episode, way, man. In true Rachel Dolezal fashion. Castro identified as Native American. Remember when I got into that like awkward snippet at the beginning of this episode? 
Oh, yeah. He even followed the, those traditional customs where they would, like, cut their long hair in mourning when somebody, when, like, a loved one died. He would follow okay. that tradition. He was like, I'm Native American. Well, as you, okay. for those who don't know, Rachel Dolezal identified as a black woman and was, in fact, not black. And Castro, it turns out, was a Hispanic man from South Texas. All right. Not quite a Native American. I mean, you can 23 and me it, find out what percentage you are and everything, but... I mean, maybe maybe if Goodwin had done that, he'd have found that out sooner. He could have just taken, like, some hair out of a brush yeah, and been like, spit. all right, here he is. Yeah. <laughs> but no, so the only thing was, overall, Goodwin, Snyder, and Sullivan, they spent so much time and so much energy collecting this, and then it was like, when it rains, it pours. They together collected 500,000 pages of documents that recorded Castro's actions across several sta- states over the course of two decades. Jeez. Over two decades, excuse me. More than 20 years. Yeah. Fuck that shit. Meanwhile, more and more members of Angel's Landing are continuing to crack. They're starting to realize, like, they're coming out of the fog and they're like, I should say something. Yeah. Um, In August 2010, one of Perez's former followers shared that he ordered her to smash a computer hard drive with a hammer and throw it into a lagoon at the compound. So guess what was drained by the Sedgwick County firefighters and guess what they found? Uh Uh-huh. The hard drive. Answer answer A, the lagoon. Answer B, the hard drive. Yes. Meanwhile, even despite the fact that they knew who he was, they were like, hey, we've figured you out. Perez continued to refuse to identify himself. And in the federal case against him, which was in like late 2010, he pleaded guilty to one of the two charges. And he went to federal prison as John Doe because he would not identify himself. How Great. stubborn do you... Homeboy is a Taurus. <laughs> Like, he's so, I, it, again, blows my mind. So he was sentenced to two years in prison. And at that point, Goodwin and Snyder and Sullivan knew that, like, the clock was ticking because they only had two years to build any case against Perez without him meddling. Like, they were, they were on borrowed time. So then on March 15th, 2011, when Goodwin and Snyder met with McGrath, she was one of those three young women that I mentioned before that they felt would be crucial to this case. Um, She finally agreed to talk to them. She hadn't liked or trusted Perez since they met, but she had been very hesitant to talk about it. Again, like, he killed her fucking mom, so of course. Um, But so she told them that when her sister and she were children, her mother, the real estate agent, introduced her to Perez and described him as a, quote, seer, end quote, who needed a young girl to sustain his life. And that young girl was McGrath. Okay. Um, Perez told McGrath to lie to the police when that Hughes had slipped and fallen and drowned in the pool um, when actually the girl had heard a splash and a scream before witnessing. So this, this I'm not sure about. In some sources, I, it was that Sarah saw this. Okay. In other sources, Sarah's sister saw it and called Sarah because Sarah was not on the compound at the time. But either okay. way, one of the McGrath, well, she's not a McGrath, but one of the two sisters witnessed this. Um, they heard a scream and a splash and then witnessed an out of breath Perez walking away from the pool with soaking wet arms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know what that means. He done drowned her in the pool. Murder! 
so yeah, he done drowned her in the pool. They've basically got a smoking gun, or in this case, a soaking gun. Am I what? right? What? Uh, hey! Um, so by January 2012, in less than a year, they had everything they needed. And while Perez was still in custody, apparently Goodwin kept calling like the jail and being like, hey, is he still there? Is he still there? Yeah. Can you promise that you're not going to let him out? Like, please, like, just keep him there. Please, please. I'm begging. Yeah, um, they just need some more time. Yeah. So while Perez was still in custody, the Sedgwick County prosecutors filed a fuck ton of charges against him, including one count of first degree murder and 20 counts of sexual abuse of children ages eight to 16 years old, according to the Kansas City sex or the Kansas sex offender registry. Ugh. Um, the charges included rape, aggravated criminal sodomy, sexual exploitation of a child, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and murder. Um, and one of the survivors, Sarah, later told Oxygen that Perez said he was, quote, fixing, end quote, her when uh-huh. he raped her as a child, saying, quote, there was nothing I could do. I remember saying, am I fixed now? End quote. <gasps> oh, that's so heartbreaking. As a fucking child. Like, I, it's just, it's, fuck this guy. So at the trial, prosecuting attorney, he was the district attorney, Mark Bennett, He argued that the cult was motivated by greed and said Perez aimed to use life insurance proceeds from the deaths of his followers to live this, like, lavish, fancy lifestyle. So former members then testified that they moved around from state to state and even to Mexico at one point over a 15-year period before they settled in Kansas. So this is before they even got to Kansas that they did this. And you know what? That's another tactic of uh, cults is move around, move around, Mm -hmm. move around. Mm -hmm. No one knows where we are. Keep moving. Um, oh, your family's in this state. Well, we've moved five different states. They don't yeah. even know where you are. You're not connected yeah. to them anymore. It's Someone's isolation. suspicious we're moving. Exactly. It's isolation and uh, just keeping somebody away from any type of lifeline. Mm-hmm. But you're and not now, isolated. You're with family. No. It's No, it's I know, you're I'm not isolated <laughs> because you can always... You can always get out. Oh, yeah, but you're made to believe that you can't. Um, so these witnesses also discussed the sexual abuse of various children in the cult and deaths of the six mam- family members, saying that Perez had even instructed his followers on how to write their life insurance policies so that they would like get the money and that it would go to him. And he convinced them that the people who died would come back. So, oh, but it's okay if you die, because we'll just get the money and you'll come back. Mm-hmm. Bennett declared during the trial, quote, It is clear Mr. Perez was the puppet master. At some point, you lose track of how many victims this man actually victimized, end quote. Exactly. In, yeah. d- in different ways. He was yes. either directly or indirectly linked to multiple deaths, assaults. Yeah, well, and, and beyond that, like, for example, Patricia Hughes's daughter was a victim. She yeah. lost her parents exactly um but so yeah on february 18th 2015 so relatively recent um the jury found 55 year old perez guilty of 28 charges including fraud first degree murder rape and sexual exploitation of a child shortly after perez was convicted bennett told the press that he first wanted to credit goodwin snyder and sullivan for this whole thing um because even though it had been a team effort snyder and sullivan were like nah it was all goodwin it was it was 100 percent him um snyder even said quote if ron would not have stuck with us we wouldn't have been here today end quote Which, yeah, like, he he was stuck on that case for like a decade yeah like aw, buddy um and the fact that he finally got to 
to see it end. Yeah. Um, that's big. Also, if anybody heard, that was the garage door. Um, Perfect. Hey. So, Goodwin, meanwhile, also spoke about the case. He called it, quote, the most bizarre, end quote, case that he had ever investigated. I believe it. But he said that Perez's conviction was, quote, probably the most amazing feeling in my law enforcement career, end quote. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So meanwhile, Perez's attorney, Alice Osborne, asserted that her client believed that the main witnesses against him, so McGrath and her sister and that other girl, conspired to commit perjury against him. Sure. Because they had so much in it. What did they have? A life insurance policy? Um, So she said that prosecutors failed to prove Perez's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt and that she planned to appeal. You do. You haven't seen the last of me. So during Perez's sentencing hearing, a witness gave their testimony saying, quote, I was 10 when my childhood was over. While other 10-year-olds were riding bikes or playing with dolls, I was laying naked in a bed with a pillow over my head, just waiting for it to be over. While other 13-year-olds were getting boyfriends and holding hands, I was holding on to my secret and losing the people I loved one by one. When other 16-year-olds were experiencing the freedom of learning how to drive and planning parties with their friends, I was planning my own death every day when I drove to school. End quote. Yeah, sentence that guy to fucking death. Curb stomp the shit out of him. (laughs) fuck this guy death by curb stomping um he didn't he didn't get sentenced to death but he did get sentenced the fuck out of him um so perez was completely emotionless he stared straight ahead throughout the entire sentencing hearing just didn't react to anything um including when judge joseph ribiesca science sentenced not science don't know where that came from sentenced him to life in prison for hughes's murder and then another life term on a sexual exploitation of a child conviction and then nearly 34 more years on the 26 other counts. Jeez. He also ordered Perez's sentences to be served consecutively, so he would not be eligible for parole until he turned 120 years old, which leads me to believe that he's not going to make it. Um, But then again, he's an angel who's hundreds of years old, so maybe he will. That's true. He's already 120. Oh, no! (laughs) Um But so the judge said, quote, the evidence conclusively shows that Mr. Perez used people as mere objects to fulfill his desire for money, sex and a lavish lifestyle. It is just that he sir, it is just that he served the maximum sentence, end quote. And like I said, Perez was completely stoic throughout. He declined to comment. Um, He declined to address the court even when he was given the chance. And so Bennett told reporters after the hearing that the sentence that Perez received, that he believed it was appropriate. And said there were, quote, so many lives, so many people, end quote, affected by Perez. Yeah. Which is, it's absolutely true. And it's, it sucks. Um, so the pop culture side of things, it's, it's relatively small, but it's, 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 I'm like, I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. Um, it, first of all, this story was featured on season two, episode two of Deadly Cults called Angel's Landing. It came out just last May, May 3rd, 2020. Um, well, yeah, it also, that's, I mean, this is like a pretty recent case. Yeah, yeah. And um, McGrath is interviewed in it. This is okay. where, and Goodwin was interviewed in it. Like, this is where I got a lot of their quotes, actually. Um, and then also, even, even, more recently, this the case was featured on an August 2020 episode of Dateline, 
Um, and just like, I, I'm sure this isn't the last we'll hear about it, but yeah, it's I'm it's sure like wild. there's going to be more like ex-cult members that come out and, yes. and speak up against it and, yes. and everything that happened. Yes. And then finally, as far as I don't know too much or too many podcasts that have covered this, though, I do... I do listen to the Tri-Wives. I don't know why I laughed when I said that, because I do. I love them so much. Um, I don't know what that was. Did you hear that sniff? I don't know what that was. (laughs) Um, I love them so much, I sniff. But so they also, like, just... Granted, I'm catching up now, so it may not have been just, but it's just to me. I was just listening to this, like, a couple days ago, and it was very briefly discussed on one of their episodes... Oh, really? Because they were talking about cults, because Becky Happersberger, one of the co-hosts, is obsessed with cults. It's like a running thing. And so they they did like an episode, like, like kind of an episode. It wasn't just on cults, but they discussed cults and they were like, true or false, like, or which cult is real and things like that. And Angel's Landing was one of the one of the cults that they mentioned. Oh, okay. And, and I, and I, I mean, it's probably TMI. I do listen to them in the shower. And I was like shampooing my hair and they bring up Angel's Landing and they were like, this, 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 or this. And I was like, oh, it's that one. It's that one. That one's the fake thing. That's the fake thing. It's this. This is it. So. Hey. Fun time. It's Angel's Landing. Yeah. So this Not is super fun fucked. Not fun for anybody. Not fun for anybody. Super fucked. Um, yeah, that's that's the tea sis i don't know what more to tell you it really is it's like so fucked and i just cults fuck me up a little bit they do they they're they're it's just something that you don't like to think about i mean it's it's the the mind control sort of aspect of it yeah and then all of the other things that go along with it whether it's like the murder or sexual assault or everything else that can happen in a cult. And it's mm-hmm. uh, just so hard to hear about. It, it really is. No. And it's so, it, it's just, you feel for the people who are involved and you feel for the people who are indirectly involved. The people who like, like Patricia Hughes's family who suffered as a result or Sarah McGrath's boyfriend turned yeah. husband who had to watch her deal with all of that, presumably like PTSD. And it's just, it is, it's a, yeah. Like the trickle down effect of everything that happens in the cult and how it, it just splinters out and affects so many other different people is absolutely crazy. I'm sure the people Mm -hmm. that worked on the case, um, will have, um, some type of PTSD for some time afterward. Yeah. He After was, uh, everything that they good researched. Goodwin was up and, at night. Exactly. Just obsessed with this because he yeah. knew that something was wrong. Like you said, he knew something was wrong. And there was nothing he could do because you've got to follow, the, and understandably, but you've got to follow these processes. And this guy had covered his tracks insanely well. And I think that the reason why he was able to get so far was because not everybody was like Goodwin where they were so obsessed. So eventually, like, they would just give up. Yeah. And I think he was counting on that for people to just give up. Yeah. And he was good at covering his tracks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's really, even, even the fact that like what they initially got him in jail for was just, they caught security camera footage 
of him using fake like identification to open a bank account like just yeah so such minutiae and this dude was oh i it just it blows it blows my mind it really does i i will never understand yeah. i don't understand i don't understand bitch well uh thanks um for voting on this one i want to uh, also i just looked down at my notes to close them and i miswrote um it was a sep- it was a no i'm doing it again it was a february 2020 episode of dateline just okay. for those who are wondering i don't so know So if- right as the shit was you know hitting the fan <laughs> yeah yeah i mean five years later but yes no i mean in the world today oh in the world today yes <laughs> yes yeah you know the pandemic that we're in no i'm choosing to forget it <laughs> um but anyway so that is the episode you can this go to our website crimeculturepodcast.tumblr.com yeah. you can email us crimeculturepod yeah. at gmail you can join our patreon and have some say in uh what episodes what we do next come out um we have facebook instagram and twitter go and mm-hmm. follow those no linkedin no linkedin and sorry one day we're gonna make a linkedin and it's just gonna be like sure what what changed <laughs> uh so that's that and we will see you next tuesday we will Bye. maybe bye, bye.